You're listening to TIP. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Millennial Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Clay Fink, and today is another release of our mini episode series that we send out to you all every Saturday. This is the episode where it is just me diving into a specific topic to help you become a better investor. On today's show, I'm going to be doing an intrinsic value analysis of Adobe and what sort of expected return I would expect from the company at today's price. With that, let's dive right in. You're listening to Millennial Investing by the Investors Podcast Network, where your hosts, Robert Leonard and Clay Fink, interview successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire the millennial generation. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to tell you a little bit about our TIP finance tool because I will be using it in my analysis of Adobe. TIP Finance is my favorite tool for analyzing stocks and determining if they are a buy today. In the portfolio section of TIP Finance, I can update my portfolio, set up my watch list, have email notifications when a stock hits a certain price, among many other things. In the stock screener selection of TIP Finance, I can filter on the whole world of stocks on certain items such as the industry the company operates in, the market cap, the multiples trading at, its potential yield, among many other things. And then finally, in the fundamentals tab, this is by far my favorite because I can really dive deep into my analysis as I can look at the company's financials, what the chart looks like, what the balance sheet income statement looks like, and just the overall big picture of the company. And this is what I will be using in my analysis of Adobe today. This episode is not intended to be investment advice. It's not me saying you should go out and invest in Adobe or not invest in them. My hope is that you will find the analysis helpful and maybe you pick up a thing or two that's something you didn't know before in analyzing a particular stock and you can see what my process looks like. And then maybe you can add a tool or two to your toolkit that you can use in your own analysis and research. All right. So Adobe is a company pretty much everyone is probably familiar with. They are a software as a service platform that has three primary segments of their business. Adobe Creative Cloud, Adobe Document Cloud, and Adobe Experience Cloud. Their creative cloud segment is their largest business segment. In 2021, it brought in $9.5 billion in revenue, while total revenue was $15.8 billion. So the creative cloud equates to roughly 60% of total revenue for the company. This segment includes a number of apps. According to their website, Creative Cloud provides apps, web services, and resources for all your creative projects from photography, graphic design, video editing, UX design, drawing and painting, social media, and more. Build your own plan with individual app subscriptions or subscribe to the Creative Cloud All Apps plan. Fun fact about Adobe, according to the company's website, about 90% of creative professionals use Adobe Workshop, which says a lot about the value they are providing to customers. In general, when I think about software as a service companies, I think of a lot of positive things. Companies like this tend to have a very asset light balance sheet, meaning that they probably don't have a lot of physical assets that they need to purchase or invest in. And the company probably has a lot of recurring revenues, which can be a great business model for a company like Adobe. They can build out the software product one time and each additional customer they add just has really high profit margins. The profit margins on that customer will be just really high for the many years ahead. And the maintenance costs are spread out across a high number of customers, which really is beneficial for a software as a service company. 
Recurring revenues are also great because the customers automatically charge for the service they are being provided. To use myself as an example, I use an Adobe product to edit my podcast. I purchase their annual subscription and each year I will be automatically billed for their service. This means that since the majority of their revenues are recurring, they don't have to continually sell to new customers as their existing customers tend to stick around and keep purchasing their products. So the market is going to value a company like Adobe very highly because those subscription revenues are likely to stick around for quite some time. Years ago, Adobe sold licenses for their products, so you only had to pay once and you had the software really forever. Then they would release a new version of the software with many improvements, and then you had to go buy the new version. They have been moving away from this model to a subscription model, and now most of their sales are from subscriptions. To help illustrate how powerful a software as a service company can be, Adobe's gross margins over the past 12 months are a whopping 87%. This gives them plenty of room to deliver long-term value to shareholders through the reinvestment in new products, spending on marketing to acquire new customers, as well as weather through economic downturns when the ability to raise capital becomes pretty difficult. In analyzing Adobe, I'll be using Adam Ziesel's framework for analyzing companies that he outlines in his book, Where the Money Is. He uses what he calls a BMP checklist, which stands for Business Management and Price. So I'll walk through each of these items. Starting with the business side, we want to invest in companies that have a low market share of a large and growing market with a clearly identifiable competitive advantage that will allow the company to grow sales and profits for the many years to come. Now, the number one thing we want to look for in a company from a business's perspective is for the company to have a strong moat. Now, Adobe probably doesn't have as strong of a moat as Alphabet, but I believe that a strong moat is still there for Adobe. They don't have the network effect aspect of their business that some of the larger big tech companies have. My friends don't see the value in getting Adobe editing software just because I have it. What they do have, though, is high switching costs. As people purchase Adobe software, they get used to using it. And if they were to switch to a competitor, they would need to take all this time and energy to learn the new software. It's just a big headache and oftentimes not really worth that cost. So the only reason they would lose customers to a competitor if it was offered at a drastically lower price or that product is just far superior to Adobe's. I believe that the brand that Adobe has built is also extremely valuable and adds to the moat they have. If you search for a specific software product that Adobe offers and you found two services and compared them side by side, you'd probably choose Adobe because they are the largest and established player that we all know well, and you're pretty sure it's going to provide a product that is going to give you what you need. One concern I have with Adobe is their pricing power. I'm not exactly sure what is stopping a competitor from either offering a similar product at a lower price or even offering a similar product for free. I'm much more comfortable with stating the fact that Google search isn't likely to be disrupted anytime soon because the customers use their product for free. But currently, the price of Adobe's products are justified because of how much value the users and businesses receive in using their products as revenues have continued to march upward over the lifetime of the company. One thing is certain, and that is that the world is going digital. And Adobe provides so much of the foundation for businesses that need to operate in a digital world. So the business side looks pretty good for Adobe. Let's move on to look at the management. Now, in assessing management, they have a really strong balance sheet with very little long-term debt, which is always a good sign. 
Return on invested capital is also very high as the five-year average for them is 24%, You know, much higher than many other companies and very, very good to see from a company we're analyzing. High return on invested capital tells me that management is effective at taking capital and reinvesting it back into the business in a productive manner. It also tells me that Adobe is just a really good business and management has a really good business in their hands as they are just working with a cash-making machine for investors. Insider ownership is also something you'd like to see from the executive team. It looks like the insider ownership is roughly 0.2% of outstanding shares or roughly $400 million. On a percentage basis, that's not very high, but because the company is just so large, the dollar amount is acceptable from my perspective. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Hey guys, about a year and a half ago, my wife and I got married and one of the most stressful parts of our relationship has been trying to join our finances together. We all know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce, but Monarch, the top rated personal finance app, has built in collaboration features so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Together, you can see all your finances, collaborate on your budget and get insights on your cash flow and recurring transactions. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Unlike other personal finance apps that we tried, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving the product, and they release updates every two weeks and allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. Most importantly, they never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, my wife and I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners on this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com MI. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash MI for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com MI for an extended 30-day free trial. Hey guys, have you ever wondered if there's an AI tool like ChatGPT specifically built for the stock market? A tool that not only does the research and analysis for you, but also allows for dynamic discussions? Well, wonder no more. Meet Meka, your AI-powered stock research assistant, now enhanced with real-time stock data. Let Meka do the heavy lifting for you to significantly reduce your research time. And the best part, Meka is 100% free. Ask Meka questions like, Explore the financial health of Apple through a summary of its balance sheet. Compare the financial statements of Apple and Tesla. What is the analyst price target for Microsoft? What is the social sentiment analysis of Amazon and millions of other queries right at your fingertips? Visit Meka.com. That's M-E-Y-K-A.com. Hey guys, when it comes to financial advice, you've got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever credit card was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? A free flight to a bucket list destination? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and much more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. Check out nerdwallet.com and start making smarter financial decisions. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. All right, back to the show. 
Management has been returning some capital to shareholders via share buybacks as the shares outstanding have declined from roughly 491 million shares to 472 million since 2018. This is roughly a 4% decline in the share count. Back in December 2020, management actually approved a share repurchase plan of $15 billion in shares through 2024, so that's really good to see as well. I'm not seeing any serious red flags when it comes to the business and the management in particular. However, the price of the company today might lead some investors astray. Today, Adobe is trading at around $440 per share with a market cap of $205 billion, which is roughly 36% off its all-time high of $688 per share. Since its IPO, the stock has been a consistent outperformer relative to the S&P 500. Over the past five years, Adobe has achieved an average annual return of 24.4%, while the S&P 500 has had an average annual return of 12.0%. Seeing that consistent outperformance over time is definitely something I love to see because trying to pick a losing stock and predicting that it's going to turn into a winner is something that's very difficult for me at least. Adobe is also a key component of the NASDAQ 100 as it's the 12th largest holding in the index and has a 2% weighting in the NASDAQ. Despite the recent drawdown in the stock price, the company looks to be trading at a hefty premium. The price to earnings ratio is sitting at around 43. The market is really pricing in a lot of growth ahead for the company in the future. With that, Adobe has also been a company that has really always traded at an expensive multiple. Prior to February 2020, the market cap to free cash flow ratio has generally been in the 25 to 30 range since 2017. After COVID, it rose all the way to 48 and today is all the way back down to 26. So relative to its recent history, the current multiple is definitely within historical standards. Despite the contraction in the stock price, the business is actually still growing. The most recent quarter had nearly $4.4 billion in revenue, which is a 14% increase year over year for the quarter. And operating income was $1.5 billion, which was up almost 9% year over year. Management expects the company's revenue to grow 14% over the next year and earnings per share to grow roughly 7% next year. If you guys tuned into my intrinsic value analysis of Alphabet a couple weeks ago, you know that the expected return I calculated for Alphabet was 9.9%, which I expect to be a good amount higher than what we'll find for Adobe due to the difference in the multiples of the two companies. But we'll see what we end up calculating here for Adobe. When pulling up the intrinsic value calculator in TIP Finance, we'll first need to determine an expected growth rate of their free cash flows for Adobe over the next 10 years. Adobe's revenues have grown at an average rate of 21.9% over the past five years, and in 2021 grew by 22.7%. I expect their growth to continue unless we see a very deep recession. Then I would expect the revenues to potentially even decline in the stock to really drop significantly due to the high multiple they have. Free cash flows grew at an average rate of return of 28% over the past five years, but we shouldn't put too much weight on that as they were really starting from a low base five years ago. If Adobe is really hitting on all cylinders and is able to continue to widen their moat and fend off the competitors, I would assume that the company can grow at 14% per year over the next decade which may be slightly optimistic at this point for how mature the business has become, but I'm going to go with 14%.
The free cash flows for the previous 12 months are $6.8 billion. So I'm going to use that as our starting point for the free cash flows. Inputting those numbers into the calculator, this gives us an expected return for Adobe of 7.3%. Like I expected, it is lower than Alphabet's at 9.9% because Alphabet is trading at a much lower multiple, but still growing at a very high rate as well. As always, I like to tweak the assumptions and see how that changes our expected return. If Adobe were to encounter a deep recession or two over the next decade, let's say they grow free cash flows at just 8% per year instead of the 14%, this would lower our expected return from 7.3% all the way down to 4.3%. So still growing a little bit, but not near as much as our original assumption. And finally, I'd like to lower the market price and see how that would change our return as well. Let's change our expected growth rate back to 14% and say that the market price actually declines by 30% from where it's at today. So starting at $440, a 30% decline would bring it down to $308. This would increase our expected return from 7.3% to 10.4%. So assuming that the competitive advantage and business position stays intact for Adobe, long-term investors should welcome any declines in the price of the stock. For a company like Adobe, I believe it's a company that has a pretty good chance of beating the market over long time horizons. However, it would likely drastically underperform during a market downturn. This is where long-term investors like myself can take advantage of opportunities like what is presented with a company like Adobe today. I'm willing to weather through those economic storms in order to achieve that higher outperformance in the end. When I compare Adobe to Alphabet, which I covered a couple weeks ago, I'd say Adobe has a little bit more risk just due to the uncertainty around the moat and how much competition Adobe is facing relative to Google. However, since Adobe is a much smaller company, this also gives them a lot more room for long-term outperformance as well as they potentially have more room to grow relative to Alphabet. All right, that's all I had for today's episode. I sincerely hope you found this episode valuable and you learned something new. If you guys aren't connected with me yet on the socials, you can find me on Twitter at Clay underscore Fink. That's at C-L-A-Y underscore F-I-N-C-K. I'm also on Instagram at Clay.Fink. Feel free to shoot me a message on either of those platforms, or if you have any feedback, I'd be happy to hear from you. And feel free to give me a follow as well. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for listening to TIP. Make sure to subscribe to We Study Billionaires by the Investors Podcast Network. Every Wednesday, we teach you about Bitcoin, and every Saturday, we study billionaires and the financial markets. To access our show notes, transcripts, or courses, go to theinvestorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.